Venomous Vinny. Hi, Toddy. And we have a very special guest with us for a few episodes. Please welcome our friend... Brent, they're coming to get you Terhune. <laughs> right, all right. I was thinking, boy, does he have a does he have a handle? Do we need to give him a handle? I, all the way here, I could have prepared and thought about what we we're going to talk about, but I said, i got to have a name. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, especially when you come on the footsteps of, like, uh, Jason the McRib McCullough, because... <laughs> Because he didn't tell us that. That was off the cuff. And so he comes in firing hot with it. He is the McRib, and he owned it. Yeah, we and weren't the same after that. We weren't. We weren't. So, uh, folks, we are revisiting quite, quite the franchise. We haven't done it in how many years, Professor? Seven? Uh, yeah. Eight? Yeah, about eight. <laughs> yeah. So uh, don't go looking for it. You don't want to hear it, uh, the original. <laughs> uh, but we are revisiting the Phantasm franchise. Or Pentaology. Sure. Yeah. Oh, it's already started. Here we go. <laughs> it's already started. Country Jello. <laughs> Country Jello. <laughs> I thought that was cooler than Quint means five. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be a Quintology? Right on. Okay. So, um, do we just want to jump right in? I mean, it, do we? Do we? There is no structured approach to these movies. There's not. There's yeah, not. why should we do it? Yeah, the makers did. Mm-hmm. Are, are we doing them in order? Is this your order or <laughs> can I, order? Can I tell you the order I watched these? Because I was on the road <laughs> and I've seen the first one a bunch. And then the second one is not on any streaming service that I have. So I started with three. And I got home, I went and watched two, but I didn't finish two, but then I was somewhere else, so I started four, five, and then finished two and watched one. So, as if as if this franchise didn't make enough, any sense at all, now I'm like, I don't know what happens when, so I'm going to rely Neither on you guys. Do we. Okay, good, good. Well, I was curious if that actually made it make sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It may have made more sense. If you, you watch it this way, it makes total sense. <laughs> Did you sense. watch them all with Dark Side of the Moon playing behind Yeah, it syncs up, believe there's it or not. A, there's a fan edit. <laughs> if you go to the end of five, P-H-A-N. And watch them, <laughs> if you watch them backwards... Well, God bless the broken road that led you straight to this show. So, uh, now, you notice he said he was on the road. That's because he is a famous yes. Hollywood comedian. Yeah, you guys are lucky to have me here. Damn right. No, I do comedy and I do videos on the internet and half of the people will enjoy the videos and the other half will not. Because they're political satire. So, yeah, and I do stand up in uh, BrentComedy.com and I do a podcast called They're Coming to Get You, which is a horror movie podcast. So. Oh, hence your handle. They're coming to... It's a cheap plug. Yes. <laughs> a crummy commercial. 
if you will. Abner, you know, know all about cheap plugs, don't you? I do. But you don't know, you pitch your other one, your other podcast too. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I guess uh, yeah. It's uh, with another comedian named Gavin Eddings, and uh, we do kind of what you guys do, but we do like one episode per movie. So uh, we've done all the big hits, but we've also done ones that a lot of people don't talk about. We did specifically the Munsters Hot Rod Herman episode. We did the the uh, Goosebumps the Haunted Mask uh, episode. Nice. So My I know life. you're writing that down, Vinny, because you want to enjoy it. But we chose we're to, to steal it. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. That's fine. If you want a less funny take on the thing. <laughs> But yeah, it's we've done a lot of the hits of the of, you know anybody talks about certain horror movies. So it's uh, called "They're Coming to Get You." Tight, awesome, tight. All right, well here we are, Phantasm. Let's hit the first film. Seems like a logical place to start. Uh, maybe uh, Todd, uh, you've got some dates and details, and then we're doing something new. I stole this from another podcast, so don't think any idea. <laughs> You'll notice, Brent. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they did like a two-minute synopsis, but for the sake of time, I've shortened it to a 60-second synopsis. Now it's his own. Yeah. His goes, dun 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 <laughs> You see, they've got the golden arches. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Toddy. Phantasm. And I'm glad that you started out with the name. And per, per you, <laughs> what he Halfway through, I went, I am screwing up right now. Here we are. Mm-hmm. That old hammer. Uh, Phantasm, 1979. Uh, you're going to notice most of the names are going to repeat. So, written and directed by Don Coscarelli. Uh, we have Mike, played by A. Michael Baldwin. Jody, played by Bill Thornberry. Reggie, played by Reggie Bannister. Lady in Lavender, Kathy Lester. And the tall man, Angus Grimm. Um, so, real quick before I jump into the movie... I was just going to say that, uh, so two small movies before this, uh, both kind of kid comedies, so Jim the World's Greatest, 1975, and Kitty and Company, Don Coscarelli, uh, some of the same actors I already named, they knew that horror movies sold, so that's where they went into Phantasm, Phantasm was made on the cheap for 300000 it ended up to grossing $12 million, which in 1979... And probably today, to be honest, is a huge deal. You could buy a small country with that now. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, I think part two is the biggest in the franchise um, of cost. Because um, all of the movies were made for cheap. So uh, quick synopsis would be that... Uh, <laughs> so uh, I... synopsis. Um, t- <laughs> tomatoes. T- tomatoes. Uh, so I have the the real fun one because uh, uh, so uh, are we starting the clock? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna yeah, let's pull it up here. I'm glad I'm wasting more time to do this. Uh, Brent, do funny stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I can't <laughs> entertain us, clown. <laughs> All right, here we go. Ready and go. Okay, so uh, our main character, Mike, a young boy, uh, he starts to notice some bizarre haps because, let's be real, this movie actually is a take of uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes, true story. Um, so there's the tall man, creepy mortuary guy, and uh, he's kind of ghoulish, 
Uh, that's the first half of the movie, and then later <laughs> on it turns very sci-fi, Star Wars, Dune. You're in house um, money now. So, um... We start noticing that uh, the tall man, who's not very ghoulish, he's actually an alien. Not alien like from Mexico, but more like from another planet. <laughs> uh, like the red planet to be specific. And they're taking all our dead people, uh, smushing them down to dwarfs, and uh, making them some slaves uh, for the red planet. So, uh, in a nutshell, that is Phantasm. I think I did it under 60. Boom! Uh, and... After he, after he said that, I mean, we've all seen that set up a million times. Like, <laughs> it's been done to death. Well done, Toddy. Well done. All I right. need you to be a little quicker on that one. I, I did leave out uh, Lady in Lavender, shit her boobies, but uh, after some guy was inside her, he was like, oh shit, it's the tall man. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> a great open. So, uh, is this what it was like listening to me try and explain the beyond? Yes. I was going to ask you because I know you're into Italian horror and they quite they don't make a lot of sense. Apparently, I was like, "Is this similar to that?" Because this is this is this hillbilly giallo, okay. American <laughs> American Italian. And I like that horror. you're saying giallo because you're wearing a yellow shirt, and yeah. giallo is yellow in Italian. There's a lot of friendliness right now. It in also way. means I Quint, <laughs> which is five, and there's five of these movies. Uh, my first takeaway is there is much less pressure for the future summaries. It would feel pretty good. <laughs> Very about true. That. Feeling so, good. Feeling good. So Brent, I forgot to write one. Brent, what is your experience <laughs> with the, with this first movie? The first one I really like. Uh, just I saw it and I heard people talk about it, so I watched it and I was like, I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but that's not enough to deter me from disliking. There's a lot of questions in this movie. That make me think what's going on, but it's not too many questions. The rest of the series, there's a lot. There's too many what's going on. Yes. But the first one is just the right amount of I don't know what's going on, but I, I still like it. What, what was your age first viewing? Uh, forty-seven. Uh, I've since <laughs> regressed. I'm younger now. Uh, no, like, was, like the movie. <laughs> like the movie. Yes, For, I was in the Civil War. <laughs> Uh, probably you twenty nine, uh, you know, four or five years ago. Okay. But I, I'm a fan. I bought like custom made figures of this movie. Oh, wow. I got the shirts. I got the the book. It's called Exhumed, uh, which is like a, a uh, yeah. In the typical Brent Terhune fashion, I bought it and not cracked it open once. But <laughs> I was I hoping it. it would explain everything. Heads up, it doesn't. Okay, good. But good. it does elaborate on something. Tight, tight. Um, I was, I, uh, my, my introduction to Phantasm was part two. Okay. I had never heard of Phantasm. Two came out. We went and saw it in the theater and I'm like, oh, um, I love two. And then I, uh, we didn't have a VCR at the time. So I had to go rent one, track down the first movie. It didn't make to make any more sense, which is kind of, if I'm going to be honest, like what scares me is the unknown. So I think that's what made Phantasm 1 and 2 scary, because what the hell's going on? <laughs> um, over the years, I think Phantasm, for many reasons, I've, I've grown to love more for uh, from the cast to for locations to different reasons, which we'll, we'll go more into, because I don't want to hog going around. But uh, that's, uh, that's just me here in a nutshell. 
Well, real quick, before we even move to anybody else, can you please share the story about visiting the location and uh, what so occurred there? I, I, I forgot forget. to write down. So what's, what's the name of the real place? Because I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I can't remember the name of the estate. Okay, well, look uh, it up. Tarker's Mills? <laughs> that is complete fiction. Okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll have our fact checker look that up here in a bit. But, we will um, have one. It's outside Oakland. Yeah, so the the actual uh, the the mortuary in the first film is the actual. Um, it's a mansion. It's used in other films. Um, so I uh, last spring did a weird road trip, and um, one of the locations we were lucky enough to go past would have been the that location. So pull up to the gate. Front gate is locked. You you can do everything from receptions to weddings there. Um. No one is available at the time, so I was like, man, we, we have drove literally cross-country. Um, the person I was with did not, like, he was like, well, but, well, yeah, Grand Canyon, let's get in the car. <laughs> I was like, no, could we at least go the back way? Because there's obviously a back way to this place, and let's see what we can find out that way. So we go around, huge hiking trail, and this is California, so everybody hikes. That's why everybody's skinny, so... Um, you know, and everybody's like, yeah, you can, (laughs) you you know, everybody's like, yeah, you know, everybody hikes up and down. And so I was like, I was already up before he, my friend even had a chance. Like I was already gone. So I had a prop that I borrowed (laughs) from Rybones. Uh, this is one of those props that they sold, you know, that you can buy that's, it's real. So as I'm walking up the hill. And I, I already fell a couple times. I'm like, man, this thing's gonna stab like Ricky me. Ricky from Trailer yeah. Park Boys. Yeah. So, on multiple uh, levels. I am, I am hiking and hiking and hiking. I finally get up there, and and there's there's an opening in the fence, so you can you can go in. It would have probably took me half a day to get down back down the hill to get to the house. I got good photos, and that was good enough. So, I was pretty proud. It took a minute to catch my breath. Start to go back down the hill. I fall down the hill, Tommy Boy style, <laughs> and I'm just thinking, I'm going to have to call my friend because I'm thinking, man, I probably just stabbed myself with the spear. And all I could think of was to just like text, like, if a news corp comes, tell them that as I'm dying, that to spell fan, P-H-A-N, <laughs> impale self <laughs> at Phantasm House and is left dying on hill. But uh, no, I, uh, I made it okay with just some... Small flesh wounds, and it was all worth it. So. I love that. I've, I've visited filming locations all over the country and have never fallen down a hill with a spear in my hand. <laughs> Had to be shared. Or any prop in your hand. Yeah. Um, so, yes. so, the first time I watched the first Phantasm film, I hated it. I was like, what in the world is yep. that? What is this even about? What's happening? And um, it took... Todd coming to my home, and it was after a long night of recording some miserable episodes <laughs> where we tried to do too much in one night. You remember? Professor. I think I heard those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you probably did. <laughs> and uh, I wake up the next morning. My dog is my, back then. I had an eighty-pound bulldog. My dog is barking at Todd to let him out. Todd says, "I don't know what you want." <laughs> and I come out, and Todd is in his underwear on my couch watching Phantasm Two. <laughs> And I, I remember s- this now. And I sit down, and I'm like, man, this is my brand of bonkers. Mm-hmm. And so watching... <laughs> is it because that's the one where they have the four-barrel shotgun? Of course. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Mystery cooter. solved. 
And so, watching part of Phantasm 2 inspired me to rewatch Phantasm 1 and then watch Phantasm 2. And I think that Phantasm 2 made me love Phantasm 1. That's fair. Thanks for coming to my book. Or was it me and my underwear? (laughs) (laughs) Always gets me going. Uh, I I saw Phantasm as an adult. Like I've probably seen it in the last ten years. I was, it just was nothing I was ever exposed to. I've seen it. I want to say probably four or five times at this point. And with this last one, I don't necessarily remember the first time, but uh, this last one for the show, I put it on, and I said, "Okay, uh, I'm not going to be on my phone." And this is going to make more sense. I was wrong. <laughs> I was absolutely wrong. Uh, it. I don't dislike Phantasm, but I'm not particularly fond of it either. I think it, and this is going to be, you're probably going to hear me say this for a lot of these. The, the cinematography is great. I think there are a lot of really good shots in these movies. You cannot convince me, and I don't think anybody's trying to convince me, even the people who made it, that there is a coherent through line on this. You feel the handgun at your side right now. There's some great gore effects. I think the tall man is cool and iconic. Mm -hmm. But as a whole, I'm still left at the end of the movie going, what the fuck was this even about? And this will be a common theme. Yeah, that's every fan. Yeah. But now, did literally, you, even this did, time around, I, 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 am, I got to it. And I was like, "Huh." I am curious That's because uh, because yes. another fan, which is an, another another cool moment, was J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams. Was it the first Star Trek that he did? Uh, he did the first, like the twenty ten yeah, Chris Pine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zachary Quinto. Well, well Star Trek. whichever one he did. Uh, they were doing a huge Christmas party, and he he's a phantasm nut. And he couldn't believe that no one had a remastered version of this, so he... And he wanted to screen it. Yeah, he time. wanted to screen it, so he calls up Don Coscarelli, and he's, he's like, well, nobody wants to do that to my movie. So he, through Bad Robot, personally did like the, the remastered... And unlike Lost, saw this through. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's it's very much Lost because it's like, I don't know what's going on, but I still kind of like it. So, but, uh, We, got we to promise see you it's not purgatory. We, we, <laughs> we uh, promise you. Fuckers. Was that, uh, did I write that down, the year? Uh, 2016. So we did get to, we went to Flashback Weekend. Yep. We got to see that cut in the theater. Which man, I'm gonna be honest, like there like the where he lifts the the rain. The the yeah. coffin up by hand, I was like, shit, it's raining in this scene. Cause you it, nothing was ever that clear when you yeah, yeah. saw it. Yeah, we I met the director that weekend and he yeah. talked about that specifically. He's like, Keep an eye out when they screen it, the rain on it. He's like, I've had this movie for forty years, haven't been able to see that. So it was pretty cool. Hmm. Can we talk about the soundtrack on the first one? That the soundtrack is just great. Like it's I dope. It's one of the most underrated elements of the movie. Yeah, um, it, it's kind of got that uh, almost classical vibe to it, like Candyman tapped into. With oh, Bill so Bill. we're not talking about the parts where Reggie's singing. I don't know why you hate jamming. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you like good music with uh, a skull at ponytail with the poor man's David Crosby. <laughs> a young what's R.I.P. He even done? What's he even done? Um, so 
Well, and I, sh- I should go over this real quick. Um, I really don't feel any different on this one with the revisit. Um, this was not a part of, of my horror fandom growing up. This was a much later watch. Even when I Same. mentioned it to my dad, he said, oh, yeah, watch that in the 80s. Once was enough. I mean, mm-hmm. this, just, this just wasn't a big deal in my world. Um, but uh, especially with this podcast, because I remember watching the first one after I really started getting more and more entrenched in the, the conventions and just looking for deeper and deeper stuff that I just want to explore it all. And I, I watched it and thought, I mean, I don't, I don't get the hype on this. This, this is just goofy. But then with the podcast, when we watched the whole franchise, it enriched all of it for yep. me. Yeah. And so kind of where I stand on the first film and to sell listeners on this, there's, there's a kind of this landmark moment for independent filmmaking that you have also with its peer and evil dead. And there's a lot of similarities I noticed with this revisit to the franchise in terms of evil dead and kind of just going off the wall with friends making movies. And and there's a lot of that going on here, but uh, same thing with like night of the living dead. It's just kind of this regional passionate piece of filmmaking with somebody. Um, I think this is much more disjointed than the other things that I'm mentioning that were very straightforward in their objectives. Um, but if you if you really go into this with the simple approach of it's a, a young kid investigating something scary locally, it's really a classic horror movie. Um, it just gets really convoluted with some of the things that it branches out into, but ultimately aren't important, mm-hmm. as we'll see with a number of sequels. Uh, after that, but this one, it's it's standing the test of time for me. I, and as you mentioned with the score, the score is great. Um, yeah, I, I think the first one's a lot of fun. I, I I haven't changed opinion on that. From there, it starts to get a little different for me on this go around. But the first one's, I I think it's still a classic. Okay, all right. Well, do we want to start sharing some uh, high spots? Um, <clears throat> Perhaps uh, things we've noticed in the first film this time around. Let's give Brent first crack. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, back to the cinematography, like the there's just great like if you're doing art prints of this movie, there's great art prints of certain scenes, like the the, the shot in the cemetery where he, when he wakes up in the bed and the tall man just standing over him. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite scenes in the first film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shot of the tall man in the ice cream truck, just like I don't know, feeling the cold or yes. whatever, uh, and that's also uh, with the soundtrack right there in that scene. Uh, the tall man putting the casket in the car just to see a, a dude lift up a whole thing that took eight guys to lift up, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, I mean, Mike says, "What the fuck?" in the in the scene, and you're like, "What is going on?" <laughs> with that, you just said all of my notes. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, did you have this note that Mike screaming in the cemetery sounds like E.T.? <laughs> Somebody want to attempt a recreation? No. Okay. Can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, let's see. I like the part where Reggie notes that it's pretty warm as he's wearing a sweater. Uh, <laughs> Mike is worse than Carl from The Walking Dead about staying in the fucking house. Yes. Yep. <laughs> let's Carl. See here. Uh the creepy ass mute psychic grandma. Yeah. <laughs> like that scene comes out of nowhere. Well, and then, then she's in later movies for no reason. Like, <laughs> but I mean, we'll, we could talk about that or we could just do it now, but it's like, 
she's a, and it's like if you didn't watch all these back to back like we did, you'd be like, who is this lady? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, well, that scene was kind of weird. Yeah. Although you're pretty much saying that anyway <laughs> through most of these movies, and and again, the tall man banged Tommy as a woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then killed him. How many of the guys in this movie have banged the tall man by the end of the season? I'm pretty sure I have. <laughs> I just got away. <laughs> Boy! Yeah, we're not into kink shaming on the Midwest Monsters. <laughs> which, which, you know, everybody talks about how confusing these are. Is is always like behind the scenes that even the cast is like, you know, I didn't even know this was a thing until I saw the movie myself. Mm-hmm. Like, like Angus didn't know that he was part of the Lady in Lavender. She didn't know that. <laughs> oh, that had to be sweet for Angus uh, for him to find out. Well, there's, there's a cool raping st- dudes in cemeteries. There's a cool story that that uh, that she shares that uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that she uh, coercion, I guess technically. When it came time for her to take her top off, there was just too many people on the set, and so she she said no. And they were like, "Well, can we get stunt movies?" And and uh, but she, when she saw the screening, she's with her mom, and her mom's like, "Well, you should have just done it. Your tits are way better than that." <laughs> I remember Angus Scrim being at Horror Hound. I think it was shortly there, before he passed away. There was a great moment at Days of the Dead. Is that what it was? Days of the Dead. Well, go ahead. But Brian Blair, friend of the show, uh, PumpkinPulp.com for all your mask needs. Uh, <laughs> Brian Blair. Have Brian Blair loves the Phantasm. Or he loves Phantasm, at least the first one. And he got to meet Angus Grimm. And Brian's met a shitload of people at these cons over the years. And he will still say that Angus was one of the coolest celebrities. Angus, if I remember correctly, Angus didn't want to talk. He was asking you about what you did yep, for a living. Yes. And like, he was very interested in knowing about you, the fan. Which I is pretty incredible. I've, I've very seldomly heard that. Him, Roddy Piper. Or <laughs> like the two. Yes. I was going to say specifically, those are the only two people I've ever met that was interested in what I did. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm not sure I would have. That's part of what kind of enriched all of this was, uh, was the convention Bruce, experience. Bruce Campbell's the third that asked me what I did for a living when I met him. But uh, I met, so I met Angus twice and, and the other was right before he passed. And he remembered me. And I think it was that show because there was somebody that used to be a part of the show that he was doing a Q&A and said, why would I watch an old man's Q&A? Oh, why that's would, what every con is. What, why, why, why wouldn't you? Because this dude has been in Hollywood for, for years. And he, he knows Hollywood past to present. This guy remembers everything. And he watches. The, the guy kept, I can't say that I keep up on current movies like, like Angus did. And he, he's, he kept up on all the current stuff. Well, do you I, think anybody would remember Phantasm if Angus Scrim hadn't been in it? Absolutely I, not. I don't think so. He's I what makes he it. Is, he I elevates he it. Too. I agree. Were you with me at the panel where he recited the Edgar Allan Poe? Yes. By memory? Yes. I think it was The Raven. I can't remember which one it was. He did one of those, though, completely because, because off he's, the top of well, his and, head. Because he's, it's Rory, what's his real name? Rory. Rory. I just remember his first um, name. Because he, he, he does plays and stuff, too, so that's why Angus Scrim was, like, his actual stage name. So, um, yeah, like, I mean, this guy's, like, classically trained, and then he's got, like, kind of like Ted White. Like, Ted White has, like, nothing... Like just full rich history of Hollywood. Why would you not want to sit there and hear all these yeah. stories? Uh, but yeah, and then he's like, um, 
you know, obviously he knew he was sick toward the end, but he kept wanting to do conventions because he loved meeting fans and talking to, to, to fans. So, um, I think that they kept capping the line off every time that, that he would do conventions that I was at, but he kept insisting, let a few more in, which the one we had to like shame I'm like, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed to have done it <laughs> because we, we were in line forever and we wouldn't have, we, you know, like you could, you could tell both times he wasn't, you know, feeling as well. And, you know, the, the first time I thought was probably the last time we might've had a chance to meet him. So we were like, you know, we came all the way from Indy. We've been here all day and, you know, we're not, you know, we're not going to be here tomorrow which we were. That was the lie. But, um, you know, we were going to hell, but all right. We ended up getting to meet him and he, he signed our stuff, but he, he was, he was super awesome. So it was great. He reminds me of actors kind of from a lot of the old universal movies. We love the, the, from the studio system, guys that were classically trained, but showed up ready, no matter what the material was. And, and that's what happened here is he embraced this from a young kid making movies that he believed in. Um, he reminds me, like you know, of like George Zuko was in a lot of those old Universal horror movies. That guy was top shelf in terms of acting talent, but he'd show up to roll down the steps in a mummy movie. It, it didn't matter. He just he loved acting, and I think uh, Angus was the same way. And I, I agree, he completely elevated these movies. Without him, we're not talking about them. There's also the great note about um, it was one of the prefaces to the DVDs, one of the early ones where. He says, oh, Don Coscarelli asked me to be in this film, and he told me I'd be playing an alien, and I started to research <laughs> mm-hmm. what type of alien, you know, from what country. Then I realized it was an alien from outer space. <laughs> 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 and I, it was a different type of research after that. Uh, I, I got this image in my head when you were talking about how he not only had a knowledge of older movies, but he was up on current movies as well. I just picture him getting on stage and, and waxing philosophically about, like, Sausage Party, right? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Sausage Party? <laughs> Seth Rogen's work was fantastic. <laughs> um, I've only got a few other notes about the first film that, of stuff. That first kill, uh, what are we going to call them? Orbs, spheres, balls, what do we call them? I've always called them spheres. I think the third movie <clears throat> tried to get a little fancy, but after the third one, they went back to spheres. So. Spheres it is. That first sphere kill. Spheres or balls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when it's flying, it's flying. And I almost love that when it first hits that guy, it's like, bunk. <laughs> it was almost like a cartoon bit. And then, so a neat thing in rewatching the series this time is that my wife had only seen the first movie like years ago. And she had kind of thought it was lame. And so to revisit these with her and for her to love at least half of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, but we both just kind of laughed out loud when that first one just boom, pops right in that guy's head. And then that blood just starts squirting. That's when the tall man came out and squirting. went, when the blood squirts out my bowels. <laughs> I, uh, I, think I, quit. The, I think the boink is actually appropriate because I think it's just, even the character is just like, what the hell just yeah, happened? It's, it's, yeah. And it takes a minute, but then it, because the ball's weird enough and then when a drill comes out, yeah, and then yeah. I can't remember. Like, was that scene censored down? Because now that it's crystal clear, and you can see that not only is there weird yellow blood coming out, but he also urinates on himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that scene was heavily censored. I think at, at one point. 
Well, in the balls, it has a built-in bunghole to shoot the blood out. <laughs> like there's again, like the ball is one thing, and then it adds like three more things onto the ball, and you're like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> That's what they distract us with. It's like, don't That's... worry about the plot. Check out what the ball does in part three. Check out what's happening here. Now, uh, now the ball has a dong. <laughs> Which one was that? <laughs> It's parts. It's it was a, a cut movie. Okay. Uh, we're also going to have to determine now, starting with the first film, on if we're going to call the little guys in robes Jawas or not. <laughs> now, well, now to be fair, to be fair, uh, to be fair, to be fair yeah. this movie came out before Star Wars and any images was released. However, so George Dune, Lucas stole it. From so <laughs> no, well, you can't say that he was filming too. However, Dune was a book that existed because if if asked, Don was like, "Well, Dune, to be fair, was an unfilmable book. Who knew?" <laughs> it, they actually look more to me like the Binks from a Spaceball. <laughs> 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 yep. Let's let's do try to call them dwarfs though, because uh, throughout the series they do get called other things that are perhaps little people. Yes, or, or, or baby looking things. <laughs> Just watch that beer. Um. Seriously, they watch that beer. to put it on your table. <laughs> Tall man's walk. I mean, always for me. Just oh the, yeah, he's very Frankenstein. Yeah. I think of uh, maybe it's part of his shoes because I, I I know the because he's the shoes he's have over a lift. six feet tall anyway, and then he's wearing lifts. And I heard that his suit was like a size or two too small. Well, to his, make him well, well like Jason, yeah, his his <laughs> so his suit was actually uh, his suit was Don's dad's. <laughs> Because, again, they had no budget. So I think the suit came out of, whether his dad knew it or not, came out of Don's closet. What it re- what those scenes remind me of when he's walking, because there's almost like a slow-mo put to him. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of every time David Banner turned into the Hulk on the old TV <laughs> series. Every, all the scenes with the Hulk are like half speed for like drama. That's mm-hmm. exactly what that reminds uh, me of. I was I thinking of, um, what's uh dude from um, Super Friends, the... Uh, He's a Apache chief. No, the the bad dude that's dead. <laughs> oh, Solomon Grundy. Yes. Born on a Monday. Sure. Solomon Grundy. We are making as much sense of this movie. Yep. <laughs> All right. Shall we proceed? I, I just want to hit three things before we close out. So I was going to say too, the walk really is critical. It's like one of the trademarks that nobody thinks about. But when I but when I first think of this movie, it's that that footage of him walking by the ice cream truck yep. where they've got the 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 sound effects way elevated with mm-hmm. his footsteps and the slow motion and him stopping to look across the street. It's pretty nightmarish. And that crooked grimace on his face, it looks like he just smelled a cat fart. <laughs> but but beyond the beyond the walk though is that he can run, which was also scary. Cause cause when he got tired of fucking walking around like he did chase down, he never called him effectively. But so the only three things I wanted to add before we move on is at in the end of Phantasm One, if you've been watching if you pay attention. Reggie isn't dead. Jody is. <laughs> the whole movie was in Mike's head. It's all a dream. He used to read Word Up magazine. <laughs> so, closing that out, those are the three things you need to know. Every time when we get to the end of this film, I forget that. And, and every time I feel cheated. Every time I feel cheated. Because we got there and Reggie was alive and Gary goes, how did that happen? I was like, wait a minute, didn't he just yeah. fuck the tall man disguised as a woman and get killed in the cemetery just like his friend? Remember you know, that? quit means five. You remember that? <laughs> hey, 
That's showbiz, baby. <laughs> he hits it with the old razzle dazzle. You didn't know what happened. We and then we do get a different tall man in the mirror. His he's got a haircut mm-hmm. in it <laughs> for yeah. some reason. It's like a little idiot. Yeah, on his yeah. First day you, of school because you do get that uh, that carry that Friday the Thirteenth ending yeah. with mm-hmm. this, which technically came before at least Friday the Thirteenth, where the tall man grabs Mike and pulls him through a mirror. Yeah. So anyway, was that the tall man? Or was that was that your three? Was that the door now that grabbed him? <laughs> I'm done. We're doing another shot. <laughs> can we can we also uh, agree that uh, tall man should do gender reveals? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's either boy or not boy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he could have a ball, and the the boot hole just shoots out either pink or yep. blue. Yeah. Plus, we don't start a forest fire with that. I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the interdimensional portal. We didn't really mention that. Where they Wait, go? Leave that out, Vinny. Where it's just. Two poles that you where the red rope goes to let you in the movies. So now, whenever I go to like a storefront, I was going to say I'm not welcome at four different Best Buys because (laughs) whenever I go to a storefront and they've got those pillars out front, whether they're steel or concrete, I always touch two of them just to make sure. Receipt, sir? Can we see a receipt? I make jokes with the greeter and then they push me by the forehead. (laughs) All right, phantasm. Let's move on to the next film that I will not name. Todd, what is the second one? Oh, am I doing the title? The title, Phantasm <laughs> 2. Thank you. Logically. 1988. And then who is doing... You can throw out the deets, and then I'll jump in. Okay. Uh, so, uh, continue. As long as you got them. So, um, so this one, also written and directed by Don Coscarelli. Universal Studios picking up the bill on this one. Uh, Ten times as much. So, unfortunately, uh, well, Universal actually wanted cast completely redone, but um, uh, they they agreed to at least replace um, Mike. So Mike is replaced by uh, James Libros. One of the stronger elements of the first one, kid acting. Which, I, I'm going to say this out loud, because um, Brad Pitt auditioned, I think, James is a better fit than Brad Pitt back in that time. Um, but Reggie Bannister and Angus Grimm got to return. Um, Paula Irvine uh, is uh, new as Liz. And uh, as Alchemy, a.k.a. Kimmy, is Samantha Phillips. And then Father Myers is played by Kenneth... Kenneth Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you just put more spice on it if you're unsure. Sure. Um... Okay, so I'm going to put this out here. Uh, this one was budgeted for $3 million, and this is 10 times larger than the, the first movie's budget, the largest budget of any of the Phantasm movies, and the lowest budgeted film for Universal Pictures of the entire 80s decade. So let them cry more about how this movie tanked for them. <laughs> it ended up grossing $7 million. Um, and then they, of course, cause this, this is a Hollywood movie they, so they screen it and there was, there was things that they gave back to the director that he had to follow. So here's where we get more confusing for Phantasm. No dreams. <laughs> so in this film, there can be no dreams of any of the characters. So, um, uh, that's where I think we get a lot of voiceovers. 
We had to create a female lead slash love interest. Uh, we had to do some recasting. And um, not a requirement, but we do get a fun Sam Raimi cameo, if you caught it. Hmm. So, Sam Raimi in the movie, but not in the movie. If you I don't it. remember, because I got myself as drunk as I could. Okay. Well, <laughs> Sam, Sam Raimi is the ashes that he's pounded down, and on the bag it says Sam Raimi. Oh, yes, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, and Sam Raimi was on the set a lot. But so. he wasn't ashes? But he, did cre- <laughs> but he did create a character called Ash. Ooh. Oh, got him. He just okay. blew everybody's mind. There you go. Okay. Uh, time for the next fantastic oh, summary. Let the timer get ready. That's all right. I hit it. Uh, so we are seven years later. We open the movie with Liz, a young woman who is psychically bonded to Mike. Uh, Mike, who is now 19, has been institutionalized. He's faked recovery to be released. He reunites with Reggie, who needs reconvinced. It's all real. Mike's premonition right before the explosion kills Reggie's entire family. They hit the road. We basically evolve into a road movie where we've got them and Liz, the new psychic, on their own course. Uh, Liz loses her grandfather and has a tall man after her. Reggie picks up a hitchhiker, Alchemy, played by Samantha Phillips. Uh, Liz arrives at the mortuary. Father Myers, who did Grandpa's service, is killed by a sphere. Grandpa is now a lurker. Meets Mike in cemetery. Tall man captures Liz. 42 seconds. Shit. Reggie, van off the road. Car explodes. All end up at the crematorium for a big showdown. Mike discovers a portal to another dimension. Sphere to open it. Reggie fights off with quadruple shotgun and chainsaw. Gold sphere is out. Scanner lasers and spinning blades on it this time. After battles, they pump tall man with acid-infused uh, fluid melting him set the building on fire. Alchemy drives him off. Alchemy turns out she's not human. Tall man pulls Mike and Miz through the window of, of the back of the car. I was over. <laughs> <laughs> it was close. I hit almost all of it though. It was good. It Thank was you. Good. What he left out was that <laughs> that Reggie put a put his D inside of Alchemy, and she was the tall man all along. <laughs> Thanks, Reggie, for banging the tall man. He's just Woo. a lowly ice cream man trying to get because, a little wait, stank wait, on his because, hang down. Because Reggie never got to bang the lady in lavender, and the tall man wanted that dog. But he got too. murdered by the lady in lavender. But yeah, didn't. but she she stabbed him. <laughs> she penetrated she, so him. He did, so she he didn't bang him. the tall man she that time. Him. Okay, she and now him. got it. He paid. I made that movie man. make sense, right? Yeah. Great. How many times is this franchise where it turns out somebody is somebody else? Like three times where they're they'll pull their hair off or something, and it's like I was evil this whole time. And that's what that's the amazing lazy writing that is the Phantasm mm-hmm. franchise. Here's where <laughs> at any point you just go, I was evil the whole time, or you go, it was all a dream. Here's here's the lazy writing. If you paid attention, strap in. If if Reggie's gonna bang her, she's the tall man. If let's let me rewind. If Reggie bangs her, it's the tall man. But okay. also, but also the tall man's racist. Is this Remember erection that? normal? Remember that going forward. Okay. Tall okay. man's racist. Okay. I'll pose this question: Is the, the <laughs> sex scene with Samantha Phillips the best of the eighties when they're violently flailing around? <laughs> Which, by the way, she went on to work for Penthouse. Still does. And but does not shy away from this movie. She fully embraces it. Had no career as an actress. Got in with that magazine, but is big time on this because whenever I'd put up stuff uh, for the movie, she'd find it. Huh. So good sport. Thoughts on Phantasm Two? What a film! I uh, love the montage of them getting into the hardware store and strapping up, getting everything, and Jody makes that 
or not Jody, Reggie makes that impossible four-barrel shotgun that is completely impractical <laughs> and probably not really going to work that way, but hey, it's fine. But About time we broke from reality in these movies. I'll, I'll tell you, it has one of my favorite moments as uh, uh, I love I love movies that start right up from where the last one ended. Especially when, like these films where they they literally pick up and then they try to like show you what you didn't see. Mm-hmm. So, um, is it Lori Laughlin is playing young Mike in the, and where they pick up from the first movie? I'm positive you're making this up. I am not making it up. Look it up. No, Fact. Did she buy her way into this? <laughs> Fact. Well, that this is how she got money to pay off her daughter's stupidity. <laughs> uh, Brent, what 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 do you uh, what's your experience here? Uh, well, th- you mentioned it w- that was kind of a road movie. Like the whole time, like the whole series, it's like, does anybody else not know what's going on? Because <laughs> there's like, I know it's a low budget where you can't have a bunch of people in this movie, but it's also like, if these towns are just going out of business, nobody else from another town is just like. What happened to Shelbyville? You know? <laughs> Here's what we don't what we don't know is on the other side of town a Walmart has just opened. Oh, that's it. <laughs> but also, how would we not mention? Um, is it the? I had sixty seconds. Is it the Barracuda, Cuda, whatever? The Hemi Cuda, seventy Hemi-Cuda. something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how, so we've started from the first movie. How would we not mention the car? Because it's the biggest star of the whole franchise, yeah, next really to Angus Scrim. They also don't try and do anything with it. They're like, this is a car. Yeah. Thanks. This makes sense. I think late in the last one, they they do something with the car with oh they soup it up a bit. Yeah, but it's it's just kind of the car that you can, now you just have to shoehorn in every movie. <laughs> but it's also just a cool car. Yeah. This film sets the precedence. It doesn't happen exactly in the first film, but this film sets the precedence for the rest of the franchise, where there will be flipping cars and explosions. I mean that that house that so the house explosion that might be where you walked in because I was watching behind this is a Scream Factory Blu-ray when it first came out so they show the explosion so number one you know of course you have safety issues but so the fire department shows up um, and they're all fans of Phantasm they're like you're making Phantasm too so they're like increasing like the explosion. But they do it because uh, I think that's what's cool is they they do everything in one take. So you had the different shots, and isn't Angus Scrim actually isn't that a like live shot of yeah. exploding and he doesn't flinch? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he created the slow the slow walk away. <laughs> there there were a few uh, donks that we lost. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it is it? Uh, I want to say. The second film that Ed Gale uh, plays the one that jumps out of the cabinet, and he's the one that when they go to the Red Planet, because uh, he said the makeup was so hot on him that um, the the bottom melted off. If they would have rolled him over, his he said it would have been rated X because <laughs> his junk's just like exposed. Um, but yeah, I'm like I feel like we got more, uh, even more special effects. I think uh, it helps the again. It's a it's a independent movie, but made for Universal. So um, I think the only stunt that um, Reggie was not allowed to do was when he jumps over the chainsaw. But he said other than that, he was doing all his own. Stunts. Actually, he wasn't allowed. It was actually a double during the love scene because that was actually a probation violation for him to get that close. <laughs> so, you're, so you're saying Universal wasn't worried about future projects with Reggie? <laughs> <laughs> Can you mention that 
uh, after the shopping spree, Reggie gets a hat and puts it on, and the hat says, Boogie Down. <laughs> so when he means business now, he's not putting on the leather vest with the ice cream outfit. Mm-hmm. He's putting on his Boogie Down hat. This is like Orville in Every Which Way But Loose when he turns his hat around every time <laughs> Philo's about to get into a fight. <laughs> I do love that he has two outfits in this movie, Reggie. It's either, in the whole series, it's him dressed as the ice cream man or him dressed as Roddy Piper from They Live. <laughs> Which, that's, what that's what I'm like. How, how do you know? I feel like this is like at least one character that you play. I mean, come on. <laughs> so here, here are my brief notes for this. Uh, first note is this kid is supposed to be Mike. Uh, second, A-Team weapons construction scene also known as the only reason Robert likes these movies. <laughs> Got him. Uh, the love scene with Reggie is second only to the one with Old Boy in the Sleepaway Camp sequel. That old man, you know what I'm talking <laughs> yep. about? It's oh, so man. awkward. Reggie yeah. is only second only to that scene. Uh, and then my last one, so Reggie banged the tall man. So that's it. That's it for me on Phantasm 2. Uh, I hate... Historically, when they replace an actor with another actor, yeah, so that put me off. That put a bad taste in I my hate mouth it too, to but begin with. Their hands were tied. I mean, it wasn't. Their I fault. understand that. It, I understand that it happened for whatever reason. I just don't like that it happened, yeah. and it sours a flavor for me. I will agree that this is where you start with the the four barrel shotgun and and the car. This is where Reggie starts to get poor man's ash status, mm-hmm. and that aspect of it is kind of fun through the rest that the rest of the movies um yeah phantasm 2 i don't know that i'll watch it again wow (laughs) yes uh this has my favorite quote from any phantasm movie in it boy (laughs) (laughs) when the tall man encounters the priest in the mausoleum he says you think that when you die you go to heaven you come to us. <laughs> Which Robert says that at everything that he does now. <laughs> Every Sunday morning. <laughs> and, and it was so good they had to poorly recycle it and use it again in, I think, the fifth film. Uh, so, yeah. So that's I think, uh, that's crazy. I mean, they usually don't recycle much in these. <laughs> I, think, I think this film probably had the best marketing, like the, like the poster, the billboards. Like, oh, yeah, when you got universal plus, money well, behind well, it. Well, not only that, but, like, come on, like, because uh, I, I, I think they definitely used the they're like the balls are back. Wasn't wasn't Universal kind of like embarrassed at this point that there's oh, yeah. a lot of horror going on and they are the house that created horror cinematically. Well, I think and they I, didn't have any properties. Well, so some of it some out. of it was their like CEOs because I think I think they had got got back at this point somebody that loved horror and they lost them for a while and then and then like. 90s they regained well plus back. New Line and Paramount are blowing up with their franchises yeah. and they're like hey go make us money but shut the fuck up about it like <laughs> it's embarrassing uh, this one still held up for me yeah, I, I think still that love this one. one and two are perfect companions to each other where you get to see kind of like that that true indie filmmaking in the first one kind of get uh, pulled along into the year of sequels and kind of that huge boom with the VHS market and just overindulgent special effects and, and just that whole era, this is where it gets to be a part of the party for a moment and also where it's forced to stay grounded enough uh, to kind of be part of that, whereas the rest of the sequels are more just back to on their own 
mm-hmm. and out there. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's an interesting exercise in throwing money at something that was that had enough heart in the first one to be entertaining um, and see where they went with it in this one. And I think the two of them back to back are a lot of fun. I rewatched this one, uh, you know, for this podcast, and I was like, I don't know that I've ever watched this one. Maybe it was not memorable. <laughs> I own it, you know, on a couple formats. But uh, one thing I didn't like was the recasting of Mike. Uh, I just, I don't know if that. So fuck you guys. Yeah. He, he's oh, I agree. Like That's I just I, like seems like the guy was just not likable. But it's already hard to fill in when we already know a guy. Who is in the rest of this series? But it's like it's not even close to the look of the guy. But I guess at that point it doesn't really matter. But he's nineteen, and nobody likes you when you're nineteen. That's or twenty three, <laughs> according to Blink One Two. <laughs> and then the other thing is like now we see that the tall man is also telekinetic. Who can like he? It's a cool kill, but doesn't he like hang the priest by his own rosary, rosary or something? Yeah. But it's it's like I I made a list of. He's an alien, shape-shifting, telekinetic, time-traveling scientist. <laughs> and that's not all of them, but it's like... There's a lot of things in this where it's like, oh, he's got a new power all of a sudden. Amateur stock car racer. Yeah, yeah. Civil War vet. Who's bad? He's bad. <laughs> um, my, my biggest gripe with this film is that Anytime that Mike goes to kick on his like flame throwing torch, he kicks down that welding mask, and I'm like, you can't see. Yeah, <laughs> you're not welding, so you don't need it, and you can't see a thing. It's not that bright. Then you know? why doesn't everybody else have a welding mask? It upsets me, burns me up. So <laughs> it is pretty cool seeing all those Jawas get smoked in the kitchen, though. Yeah, that, and I love when Reggie just shoots the the shotgun into the tree. And they all fall out. <laughs> yeah. Of the tree. Was that in this one though, or the next one? Because that's the only problem with this series. Because the continuation. That I can't answer. It might I be the next one. I think it's. But oh, it's nope, like, you're right. It but is it's right time. at the. It's, it would be the. Quit yelling at me. I love that in the Phantasm movies, the reality of his welding helmet is what <laughs> there's you our cannot hangout. get past. Here's where the fiction starts. <laughs> <laughs> We also get some new baddies. You get the the short guys in the hoods, but then Throwback. we get the gas mask, the gas mask mm, people, yeah. like the crematorium the, crew, the uh, sand people from mm. Star Wars, <laughs> <laughs> the Tuscan Raiders. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, I I uh, I, th- I think added is as the the grandpa when he shows up with his mouth his mouth is sewn. Um, That's cool. Uh, again, it's just I, I feel like this is just a cool continuation uh, of the first one. Uh, I would have liked to see Michael Baldwin continue, but I was okay with the recasting if that's what they had to do. Which he was a good kid actor in the first one. Yeah, he really was. Um, but I, I think I think just a continuation of the Tall Man. That's just going to make me go slower. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, but like all all the all the Atagor that the the whole embalming thing with the poison. Was just a that what a cool ending. So these um, movies all have cool effects, but the, when when he, well when he not all the effects are cool. <laughs> well, and I think I but think they have some cool effects when he uh, when his when his hands melted and stuff. That that was pretty yeah. sweet. So yep. uh, moving along <laughs> to the next movie calls out. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? Two movies in, we're at fifty five minutes. We're we're keeping a good pace here. All right, Turkey Lurkey, let's go. Mike, continuing? Sometimes, if you weren't a priest, 
All right. <laughs> so, uh, third movie, Phantasm Three: Lord of the Dead, 1994, straight to video. <laughs> I agree. Mad, written and directed still by Don Coscarelli. Uh, Reggie, played by Reggie Bannister. Mike, uh, with returning A. Michael Baldwin. Jody's back with Bill Thornsberry. We have newcomer Rocky, played by Gloria Lynn Henry. Uh, everybody's favorite, because everybody loved Home Alone and Horror, Tim, played by Kevin Connors. <laughs> Henry, uh, played by John Davis Chandler. Uh, I only included him because that dude's in everything, including Adventures of Babysitting. Uh, uh, Blinkin' You Miss Her Nurse, Kathy Lester. And the tall man, Angus Grimm. Uh, yeah, the synopsis, and it's going to be less than 60 seconds. So, <laughs> no uh, need to set the timer. We join our, he- our hero, Reggie, uh, on a quest to find Mike. Uh, Mike is taken by the tall man at the end of the beginning of the t- whatever. <laughs> he gets taken, and then we meet up with uh, Cousin Oliver, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Tim, who is pretty good with a gun. And uh, we're chased by three uh, thieves who turn into zombies. <laughs> and we meet Rocky, who's good with nunchucks. <laughs> and it turns out that cold is uh, what kills the tall man, but then they forget for the rest of the series. <laughs> Even though he seemed to enjoy it on the streets yes. in the first time. Yeah. Oh, but, or did he? Because it seemed like it froze him. Ooh, argue. <laughs> I don't have the energy or interest. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. it. All right, you beat it. <laughs> Boy, Phantasm 3, I'm going to be honest with you guys, loved it this time around. Woo! <laughs> That's a I, strong I, 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 I feel like this is, this is up his alley. Uh, fun <laughs> fact that I just learned, though, is that uh, Tim, in real life, that's Chuck Connors' son. Hmm. Interesting. Did shit. <laughs> One of his many children's. What about how uh, they find out that now in this one there are brains inside of the spheres? Oh yeah, I like that. Because not only not only do you have to worry about being a, uh, made into a little ass person, but they also rip out your your brain and throw it in a little ball too. At least you can shape shift sometimes. <laughs> the uh, fuck? I'm a huge fan of the. Uh, Frisbee or Flying Disc, if we're not using the name, <laughs> that is also uh, a sharp, not boomerang, because that would destroy you, but like whatever Tim's got, the sharp Frisbee that cuts somebody's head off lucky, for no reason. Lucky for Tim, before Tall Man moved into town, Home Alone made it to VHS to the local <laughs> video shop, <laughs> so he could make some Home Alone booby traps of death. And we get the the thieves are turned into zombies, which we didn't really get before in the other sequels of... Then you could turn them into actual tall people, not tall man, but <laughs> that now they're, like, doing the bidding and, and relish in the fact that, like, somebody gets hit, one of their partners gets hit by a car, and they're like, yeah, they really like that for some reason. That gaudy trio of thieves, too good. And they're cartoon gangsters. <laughs> like, it... it I was miffed by how over the fucking top and stereotypical Warner Brothers gangsters they were. However, the hearse scene where, uh, so uh, Bob Ivy, the stuntman, uh, flew that hearse that they would have been driving, seven foot ramp, uh, 
that flew 160 feet in the air. So for a straight-to-video movie that he's just like, you know, um, Universal's not really watching us do anything. Let's fly the shit out of this hearse. Uh, there's that scene early on when Reggie's trying to figure everything out uh, before he hits the road to Holtzville. And there, what is the character? He's got, like, the yellow stuff squirting out of his nose, and it gets all over Reggie's face. Oh, his mouth. oh yeah. Straight up into Reggie's mouth. Yes. That's a, yeah. yeah. Oh no! Was that? That's four. Four where he gets barfed in the mouth. That that's that also. So Reggie yeah. gets yellow gooed in the face in both movies. Uh-huh. And what's funny is in this one, my wife was eating some Italian zuppa that I had made. So like white creamy soup, mm-hmm. and it's spraying this yellow. She's like, "God damn it! Let's just put a bowl of soup because you can't eat it and watch it at the same time." Well, can we talk about the yellow? Is that embalming fluid that they bleed? What is the yellow that they bleed in the whole series? It's like alien blood. I don't. That's always what I took it as. Yeah. Because sure, I yeah I till <laughs> choose, the, choose I, your own adventure. Best. Yeah, several <laughs> well, viewings. And, I'm like, I don't know what I, this I is. I still either. don't know. Yeah. Well, and you know, and because we always get to see. I take it some of this is just added or deleted scenes when they always do the beginning. Of the last movie. Well, they were very careful not to show Mike's face in the yeah. flashbacks mm. from 2 when it was the different actor. And I thought that was... I, I took props for that. It's like, good job working around it with the footage that you've got. Or they may have reshot some things and hidden his face. I don't know. But they did a good job of that. I thought that was but, creative. But mm-hmm. the, the tall man when he... So when the tall man dies, though, because the next thing we know is that he ends up being Kimmy in the car... But what we didn't see is that his his body, that another one comes out of the red planet through the dimension, and just another tall man just throws the corpse back into the red planet. And yeah. Giallo. <laughs> Italian horror. I especially appreciate that you, in your 60-second synopsis, hit how good Rocky was with them nunchucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Rarely do you get a nunchuck person, uh, a user. I don't know what you would call those people. <laughs> And she she is the first yeah. female because the tall man obviously I don't know if he can transform because of her skin tone or he doesn't want to. But is this why he said the tall man's racist? Yes, because <laughs> he, he refuses to go, take the form of a woman of color. Yes, I can't go black. <laughs> <laughs> I can do all those other things, but don't ask me to go black. Um, but let's talk about Tim and that the tall man killed his parents. And he jumps in the back of the hearse to find out what happened. And he sees his dead daddy eating his mama. <laughs> and then to get away, he just leaps through the back window of the hearse. And I was like, you know what? Respect. This kid's, <laughs> this kid's a badass. I hate a window jump in any movie. It happens in Friday 4, like twice. <laughs> I hate when anybody jumps out of a window because they're never as hurt as they should be. <laughs> I hate it when people shoot out tires and not villains. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The guy's head's right there, but no, let me shoot the tire. <laughs> okay. Any more to say on Phantasm 3? Just uh, from a franchise standpoint, this is where I start to drift off, where I think some of the, the coherent, <laughs> at least semi-coherent approaches to storytelling kind of really start to teeter more into what can we afford. Yeah. Because I we start do- dealing a lot more with deserted towns um, and it's just this is where I, I start to drop off. Can we also point out that Reggie Bannister is constantly trying to get laid in these movies? <laughs> Always. And like 
He's, him even getting close to it is like the least believable thing in any of these movies for me. It, it, it could be worse because it could eventually just be like, well, we'll just send her out to the car, send the boy inside. <laughs> yeah, they make the kids sleep in the car, and then he's like, uh, yeah, we'll just take the one queen bed. Even There's no other cars in the parking lot of the motel. Reggie's definitely on a list somewhere. He did, did Tim dirty on that one. Uh, yeah, th- this is definitely the last one I care about. Uh, it, it, especially <laughs> <laughs> this time around, I debated on whether I'm going to keep four and five or not. <laughs> My physical copies. I think, I think this is one of the weaker ones for me, but it's the first straight to video. Couldn't tell. <laughs> I do think the recap at the beginning is really well. Like you yeah, mentioned, I, yeah, for sure. He Don's always had a great knack for pulling viewers in, even if pretty much everything he's ever made is. Kind of nonsense. I mean, yeah. like, I like a lot of it, but stuff like John Dies at the End, mm-hmm. Bubba Hotep, it's out there. Yeah, 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 But he does a really good job at setting the table, and I think that Part 3 especially bridges that gap because you got the, what, six years in between those movies, big budget, right back into small time, um, but it doesn't feel like it with the way he does that recap intro, so, which it's it's well done. I there's some, there's some decent moments in the movie, but I think one of the highlights is literally how they transition back in. Yeah. Yeah, they do a great job of using old footage. I mean, you could tell, but it's also like, oh, that was, at least the footage looks good from before, you know? Right, right. Well, and uh, I was going to say, too, sometimes he uh, is known for trying to make other films, and that gets denied, and he knows that these always can get made. Like so, made. yeah. All right, what's the next one? All right, so moving along, we have. Phantasm 4, a.k.a. Phantasm of Oblivion, with a fun little O-B-L-I-V for four. <laughs> that's the only reason that's called Oblivion, so they could use the Roman numerals I, in Oblivion. I believe so, because they're like one most decisions made like, over a big fat joint. In some reasons. languages, IV means four. <laughs> uh, 1998, straight to video, written and directed by Don Coscarelli. Uh, all of the returning cast, as before, with newcomer Jennifer, uh, which is Heidi Marnhunt. Uh Demon Trooper, who we've already talked about, uh, played by stuntman Bob Ivey. Um, this one definitely was made because there was a script going around, uh, the, the, which was Phantasm Ends, <laughs> a.k.a. Phantasm 1999 A.D., a.k.a. Phantasm 4, which was a huge budgeted movie we can talk about later. Uh, and that one was getting tough. Uh, they didn't want to make it without getting made a uh, big budget, and so that's why they did 4. Um, whoever has that one can go. Are they going to call it Phantasm Ends or Phantasm Kills? <laughs> <laughs> Whichever one Corey's in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, here we go. And just like Brent, this isn't going to take me 60 (laughs) seconds. So we start, and it's Reggie remembering, looking back about what all the things that have happened, all the flashbacks we've talked about before. And Jody appears to him and tells him he's got to go find Mike. And he thought, oh, hey, Jody, I thought I was going to get a breather. And he's like, nope, you got to go find Mike. And Mike appears to be changing. He's not just changing into anything. It looks like he's becoming the tall man. All right? And the tall man is taunting them. At this point. And so 
Uh, Mike decides that rather than become a tall man, he's going to try and hang himself. Tall man says, you can't hang yourself, you amateur. I don't allow that. And they go to these flashbacks to things that were probably shot for the first film that were never used. And so that's pretty neat. That's one of the only neat things about the film. Uh, you find out Tall Man's name is Jebediah Morningside. You find some of his backstory about being a scientist trying to solve all these things. They go out in the desert on a vision quest that takes entirely too long. Uh, Reggie is always trying to get uh, the guts from the ladies. There are booby <laughs> orbs or uh, uh, thingies Bear. there. Oh, I did. <laughs> totally crashed and burned on that one. Uh, Shit the bed, as the scholars say. <laughs> is Jody the tall man or working with the tall man? Does Mike kill Jody? Does, then Tall Man pulls an orb out of Mike's head, and then Reggie tries to save him by going back on the other side. There Our summaries are like Ron Burgundy reading the <laughs> There it is. Brent, titty balls. <laughs> yeah, spheres coming out of the woman's chest. So... I when I first watched this movie, I thought it was kind of mind blowing. I don't think they advertised that it was a lot of unused footage from the first movie, so I was just kind of like, "How the fuck did they do this?" Yeah, because I was like, "Oh, this looks really good." And how did the, you know, the Irishman was like, <laughs> they used those the de aging stuff, but and even then it wasn't great. But I was like, "Oh, this looks really good." Like, good footage that they, like, was an alternate ending, you think, from the first one when they hanged the guy? That that was the original ending to Phantasm, was okay. that they hung him from the, the tree. Um, I, I like that that's the ending because it's a guy who has an army of balls with knives on them. But he has, he has to have Mike cut him down and not just one of his <laughs> spheres. Um... I don't know. I, I, I like 4. I think 4 is kind of cool and inventive just because of the, the unused footage. The the modern, I say the modern stuff, like the, the stuff newer in 4, I think, kind of takes away from... Like, the, the Desert Quest does go on way too long. Um, there's good and bad with 4. I like 4 better than 3. Um, the whole thing... At this point, it's kind of like Batman... Like after the second movie with Batman, why does Batman need a chick at this point? Like, get the fuck out! They're of here, Bond ladies. girls. They just you need a new girl. <laughs> yeah, get the movie. fuck out of here, ladies. Get beat it. <laughs> like, how can we sell this movie? I don't know. But it's that, wait, wait, wait. It was at four or five that had uh, ball boobies. Four, four, four. four. Yeah. Okay, that's the only reason that we had yeah. her. I like that uh, someone got. Coscarelli Final Cut Pro 4 so he can start doing CGI on his movies. That CGI is fucking terrible. Like, I'm sure at the time it was okay, and now it... No, I think looked, it even was bad then. Oh, I, I did say it was good back Somebody then. Somebody walked by and okay. was like, it's horrible. <laughs> but, uh... Trash. So, uh, like, uh, my man's pukes in Reggie's mouth in this one. Mm. <laughs> Bingo card. Uh, and... Guys, at this point, all these movies are missing is Grandpa Seth. <laughs> I mean, they keep getting get get worse and worse. Brent, have you seen Troll 2? Uh, no, I've not seen it, but I've heard a lot about it. <laughs> we'll have well, to have him back for that. Yeah, you have to stay all night. <laughs> okay. Still night. Okay. <laughs> um, I wrote uh, Phantasm 4 now with 40% new footage. <laughs> 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 I like that. <laughs> I do like that they kind of give the tall man a backstory, but then they even the backstory doesn't have a lot of backstory to it. It's just <laughs> yeah. like a Civil War scientist, 
But then he just goes through the the passageway and then comes back evil. Like I, <laughs> I there, there's no ex- explanation. No, for it. I kind of feel like that that whole stuff was very Stargate-ish. Like I kind of feel like Stargate the TV show was big at the time. I think it was very THC. hundred <laughs> percent. It's like watching the kid try and tie their shoes. It's like uh, there, oh here we go here we go we're gonna bring it all together backstory. Nope. Oh never mind. <laughs> I've got nothing else to say. I was going to let it. Do we got any more first dibs on part four? I don't want to speak out of turn here since I'm, we already did I'm the whole episode. Go. Well, I was, I was going to do the, the alternate four. Well, I'll just on. say so you do your stuff with then. four, I think that a lot of the charm leaves in this one. Um, there's always been kind of that, that homegrown feel to it. And this feels more like there's a purpose in trying to get this cranked out for something else that he's trying to do. Um, it's the special effects. There's still some heart there with it, um, but, but I don't know, man. There's there's just been a different vibe with the other films leading up to it. I wasn't crazy about three, but I thought that it still had it. Kind of continued some of that heart that the first two had had. I don't think that's here in this one. I think this feels like another disappointment rental that we all had. Did he grow his mic in there? Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a naked gun with his mic up. <laughs> I, I I can see that point. Um, so I was gonna say I and and uh, and also this probably was honestly to make money to make Bubba Hotel because I think that came right after. But um, the alternate would have been the, the Phantasms and or AKA Phantasm nineteen ninety nine. So Roger Avery just won an Oscar for Pulp Fiction, and they were like, "What's your next film?" And he's like, "My next film is Phantasm." So we actually were at the panel, and I asked him about uh, Phantasm, and he uh, he went really into. Uh, I kind of thought he was just going to be like, "Meh." No, he went into like detail about it. So because they were really pushing about a new line had just picked up the rights to it. Um, new line was going to put it out. It's going to be a big budgeted remake, or so everyone thought. So he just said it was going to be two brothers, and. Um, so you thought, and he said at some point, though, basically, it's like an alternate universe. So basically, like Star Trek later, basically, probably took the idea. But at some point, how dare you, sir? the original characters would show up. And so it's not really a remake as much as, which would fit into Phantasm. A requel or whatever. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So they came up with that first for, for Phantasm. So I think that would have been much cooler than, than Oblivion and... Can we also? I didn't even mention on part three, but Jody is back, but at a in ball form. But but he's but cause, <laughs> well, yeah, wait wait because we we got introduced to we gold, sound like the filmmakers. We got introduced to gold balls, but he's a black ball. Yeah, like it just. But I don't know what's going on because was he dead or is he a ball again? And he's like only got enough juice to stay for a short amount of time. What does that mean? What juice are you talking about? Like, it's like, uh, it's like Funko. It's like, no, no, which, no, this which, one's uh, extra cool. I think originally, um, and then they were like, Ooh, take that tagline off the one. poster. They were going to say the juice is loose. And they were like, Oh shit, take it off. Take it off. Take okay. it off. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. On to the final one. I feel like, I feel like we're making progress in helping listeners make sense of these movies. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to jump in at any time of anything that you forgot about any installment, go ahead. Cause it'll make sense. All right, are we moving this forward. One's yep. little, this one's been covered a little bit more recently. All right, and I feel like with that shove by the preacher man here, <laughs> looks like we're moving to Phantasm Five: 
aka Phantasm Ra V, capital V, Ager mm-hmm. 2016, straight to video or uh, the way it was intended or as God intended it, because it was webisodes, if you didn't catch on to that. Uh, written and directed by, for the first time, not Don Coscarelli, but David Hartman, also written by Don Coscarelli. Uh, Mike, Reggie, uh, Rocky, Lady in Lavender, and Jody and the Tall Man all return, all same actors, with newcomer Don, as uh, played by Don Cody, and Dementor. Or, or, I'm sorry, I can't read my own writing. That's, I can't read foreign languages. Dimitri, Daniel Roebuck. Um, Demeter. And then, unfortunately, I'm just going to say before the, the this gets thrown out, to me, the silver lining of this, this was Angus's last movie, because he died January 9th, 2016. Um, and this is the, as of now, the last in the series, so. Probably died of shame after seeing this film. <laughs> after the final cut, he just was like, <laughs> He did not. Uh, you don't even need to set your gimmick. All right, here we go. <laughs> no, ready? set it because that's what was said the last time. Yep. No. Here we go. Go. So, Phantasm 5, Ravager. Uh, Reggie is experiencing dementia. Or is he? <laughs> and he's going back and forth between the quest that we've known him to be on all these years and then flashing back into back in the old days and flashing back to he's in a nursing home, he's losing his mind, what's real, what's not, last ride, Phantasm Five. <laughs> That's how it's done, Robert. Said so he's losing his sight, losing his mind. Which uh, Wish somebody would tell him he's fine. AKA a- uh, my life right now. So... <laughs> I'll, I'll start here on this. I might like this sequel more than any of the other ones. And only because I feel like this comes the closest to telling a story within the movie. Putting Reggie in, it's intriguing to me. It's got enough reality to it that I can understand what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he, oh, Reggie doesn't know if it's real or not, just like none of us fucking know <laughs> yeah. if any of this is really happening or not. So I really think that that through line uh, makes a lot more sense for me for these movies, and I enjoy that. Now, there's some awful, awful CGI in this. And this goes like. Uh, Army of Darkness fucking bonkers by the end of it. Like, weird Road Warrior Mad Max. Like, this movie is all over the place. And and you're if you're thinking to yourself, all right, this is the last one. They wrapped everything up in a nice, neat package for you. Nope. You would be wrong. <laughs> You'd be dead-ass wrong. I, and I don't enjoy this series, guys, okay? like <laughs> let, let, Let's put that out there as a whole. I do not enjoy Phantasm. I do hope they make a six, if anything, just so I we, don't. you have to watch them again. And, but but out of the sequels that I watched... I'm funding it right now. Ravager was the one I actually enjoyed watching the most. Nice. Wow. Hot take. Wow. Brent? I enjoyed the back and forth of, is Reggie crazy or, or not? But then we don't... We don't really get a resolution to that at the end because he dies, but then 
No, no like not in this reality. Yeah. Do you mean the film meant to tie it all together leaves <laughs> us with more questions? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, which is a crime after four films of coherent storytelling. <laughs> yeah. But you know, at least we got more Reggie music. More Reggie trying to get laid. Yeah, of oh, course. Yeah. Yeah, the other trend in these films, I, I mentioned flipping cars and explosions that we get from two one, but also picking up chicks on the side of the road mm-hmm. in a, like a desert mountainous backdrop. I like that Reggie has never learned his lesson <laughs> about picking up these women hitchhiking. Fantastic I get older, <laughs> they do. stay the same. <laughs> I also, uh, these were all supposed to take place in Oregon. Like Coscarelli uh, Oregon, said Idaho, it kind of, the map kind of, they show it at one point. But yeah. yeah Real yeah. weird. Pacific Northwest. They're banking on where nobody goes. That way you can't question it. <laughs> so I don't remember hating this movie. Oh. Until this time? Yeah, until this time. <laughs> and I'm sitting there watching it, and when they get to the giant sphere... Oh, it looks real bad. It looks like something out of a sci-fi channel movie. Yeah. And then I said, we should just call this Sphere NATO. It's because you, <laughs> you got a better TV than one of the last <laughs> one. Uh, it's fair. It's fair. Uh, but I, I'll have you all know, um, as I told you before, my wife, giving this another shot, loves the franchise through part three, is even forgiving with part four. 20 minutes into part five, she goes, you know what, honey? I'm just going to head up to bed. Yeah. <laughs> just, she, when we start the film, she says, I really hope we get the backstory of what happens to Tall Man when he crosses through the portal so that no. we know what turned him evil. Mm-hmm. I don't I said, want that. I don't get your hopes up. I don't want that. So, you know, you only want two or three more films to tie it all together. <laughs> I, it never, I, I never want to see that. You guys so, should fight. I never want to see that. Um, so with this one, I, I feel the exact same I did when we covered it uh, on a mash previously. It's If you are to part five in these movies, if you haven't given up after three or four, this is pretty rewarding in the sense of there's something special about having this amount of time go between this number of movies and having this same mm. core group. I mean, it's like an old Because it was group. shot over eight years, wasn't it? Yeah. And so it's like this old group of friends just getting this in – it's like the bird getting through the window before it closes. Um, because at this point, it's done. Angus, I think, got to see the final cut of he the did. film. And there was a story about him on the ride home that like Don tells about him being you know, glad that they were able to get this movie done. And It's a nice swan song to a, 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 me- a mess of a franchise. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the last one, I'll be honest, it looks horrible. Like The it photography really looks so cheap. But its shortcomings, I think, are outweighed by the special nature of a small group of friends making movies. Um, There's I, even that scene with, with Jody, Mike, and Reggie, and then it like fades and shows them from the yes. first movie standing together. So I do agree with you. And I, and I think that is the one thing. I think that's why I don't absolutely hate these movies is because that bleeds through that it's, it's people making what they want to be making. Right. And a group of them. So yes, I agree to, to your point. I do absolutely agree with that. I think that's part of the charm. That's the saving grace of these movies because they, they for the most part, don't make sense. They're not going to be for a lot of casual horror viewers. It's just going to be too much. They're too out there. But I think there's something inherently relatable about a group of friends wanting to do something and sticking together with it over the years, even when it wasn't as easy and as often. Like I mean, when you really take a step back and look. At the scenes of like Reggie in the hospital bed 
being comforted as he's leaving with yeah. these people. You think about the time span between these movies. It's insane. I mean, yeah. you're approaching the... I mean, you're closing in on half a century mm-hmm. that these few people have been doing this together. It's pretty neat. And even though Part Five's a mess, I, I think I'm so glad they made it. And I, somehow Mike looks as old as Reggie by the time these movies are over. <laughs> yeah. I think one and two, you can get the, the small budget, the big budget fun. And, and then with this, it's like this fascinating long-term experiment in movies. I mean, it's almost like those seven up documentaries where every seven years they get with the group of people mm. to keep checking in with them. It's like, because what was it? Part four, 98. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you're talking almost 20 years before they get to this. Yeah. It's just this huge leap forward in aging for all the characters. It's interesting. It's my only grace for the film. We yeah. get to the end and I go, you know what? But think of all the friends we made along the way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Can we talk about how like there's no real reason why the tall man wanted Mike at all? Like you were just <laughs> yeah. my plaything or whatever. But it's like we, we wanted more of why why is the tall man the tall man and then why Mike and then we just don't get any of you could have just done anything and it would have been better than I, think, I was messing with you you know <laughs> which is why I think JJ Abrams relates so much to the, this IP it's like hey we can just keep running them in circles never give them anything. <laughs> You, you draw your own conclusion. I I think I'm gonna say it. I think I think this one actually, in a way, does kind of wrap itself up because at the very end, doesn't this have like the scene or is that is that four? You tell us. Which scene? you're the one making the defense. It's four. It, that where the ends on the ice the cream end. truck. Is that four or five? They're right off at the end of the ice cream truck and four. Yeah, because okay. in this one, it's they get into the Mad Max Hemi. Yeah. With the little person and Rocky. Rocky. Okay. And Reggie's in the back after you saw him die twice. Okay. Back to back. Only twice? Regardless. Death doesn't Just back to back at the end. But you do get, so you do get like the really cool speech from, um, from Angus, who they kind of think is like, oh, he's like uh, Je- Jebediah, but I think he's actually the tall man laying in bed. Because it's a weird thing. It's like that was the, the last scene Angus Scrim film. But it's also like <laughs> it's also like the tall man's kind of been after them this whole time. I think to me the connection with Mike is that Mike, um, wherever. Because again, I think as a kid, when you're an adult, you just disregard. It's just like a ghost. You're like, oh, it's my imagination. Where everybody else just kind of wrote this shit off. They're like, he's like, no, you, no, you slept. I watched that lady took her dress off. You, you put it in the butthole. That was a guy where he was like, I was watching with binoculars. He was well, investigating. We watched two different movies, but continue. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, Mike, Mike probably saw more of what the tall man was doing than anybody else. And I think that was the connection there. But to me, like, these could go on and on. I don't... I mean, there's talk of... A I would argue movie. they did. Yeah. Well, and they <laughs> probably did. But to me... Uh, I mean, just like the fourth one, it's almost kind of like they just keep starting over and it could go back. And um, I, I hope I, they leave it alone with Angus gone. I yeah. hope it's oh, gone. for I sure. Mean, I mean, honestly, if they're going to do it, I mean, you could remake them too, but I don't think you could remake like what, you, what you've what you already done. Because if they remake it, they're, it's either going to be too big budget and it's going to be a bunch of CDI stupid. What made Phantasm Phantasm is it's a family made movie. Because these people were friends before the first movie even started. Yeah. And it was made for... Even even this... Who could have made part two for the little amount that Universal threw them? 
I'm going to say hold off on a sequel or a remake until Jason Siegel is old enough to play Tall Man. <laughs> I was going to ask. Boy, I've got a surprise for you. If somebody was going to get recast as the Tall Man, who? Because I think this could be a show, like and start fresh. like a reality show. Yes. yes. <laughs> or are you behind the scenes? You get finding the Tall out. Man, yeah. the America's Next Top <laughs> Tall Man. Well, no, oddly, if you think about it, that so Angus is like one of the nicest people. So it would probably be somebody that you honestly, Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks. I'm going to disagree. The talk around Hollywood is this is all he wants. <laughs> it is. You throw some stilts on Tom Hanks. When you go see that auto movie, you'll agree. Tom? <laughs> is George Mirasan still alive? Can we get him to play the literal tall man? George Lopez. Be good. Hey, puto. <laughs> George Lopez would be perfect. What about Liam Neeson? Ooh. Ooh, Ooh, that might not be bad. He's got a special set of skills. Yeah. I have balls. (laughs) If you pay attention to the rumors, I don't know who you are. are. All right. We got to wrap this up. Do do we all want to yell boy for 30 seconds? (laughs) I'm thinking if you did Laverne Cox, she could do the tall man and Lady in Lavender in scene. Closing it. Sounds like a good web series for part six. We're going to leave that to Todd. All right, wrapping it up for the Phantasm Revisit. This is fantastic. <laughs> it was indeed. All right. Don't look up Phantasmo, though. You're going to look up a different movie. I've been one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I've been joined by... Professor Wagstaff. A Venomous Vinny. Hot Toddy. Brent, they're coming to get you Terhune. All right, friends. Stay scary. Oh! <laughs> 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 <laughs>